Welcome to My Ed Expert, specializing in what's possible in education. By merging research, practice, and passion, we provide insights from top educational thought leaders for right now implementation. Now, here's your host, author Susie Pepper Rollins. I am so glad that you joined us today. We're going to be talking about something kind of different. Our topic is how we can infuse energy, excitement, and purpose in our schools and communities. And boy, do I have the right guests for that. Our two guests today are masterful at increasing positivity in school climate, building a strong sense of purpose and community. Let me just tell you three things that you might want to know about Susan Ragsdale and Ann Saylor. They have published 10 educational resources together and then written a bunch of other ones that are free. They have one book that's been a bestseller for like 10 years, Great Group Games. They specialize in games, icebreakers, service learning. And one of the things I saw about them is something I can't wait to check out, which is called Imagination Boosters in a Jar. They lead workshops and retreats on energizing youth and adult leaders. These workshops are pretty varied. And if I had to put it under one umbrella topic, it's how to make a difference. And I love their mantra, which is play, live, lead with purpose. Susan, I want to start with you. And I want to know a little bit about how the two of you develop this passion for your interesting work and how you could sort of sum up the mission of the work that you two do together. Well, first, thanks, Susie, for having us. You know, you you said we're the experts in energy, but oh my gosh, you have so much energy. I want to just capture that mm-hmm. in a bottle. <laughs> um, so Anne and I have, I think we both discovered early on separately, our, our energy and passion for movement and games. So I can go back to my teenage years when I had to be a tutor and There was one year when I was the designated sports director at a church camp. I was 14 years, 14 years old and the, the campers were 12. And that was, you know, that was a crazy thing to be managing a group of young people and getting them involved and keeping their attention. So I realized very quickly that movement engagement served as a great hook for getting their attention, keeping them interested. For time, I kept using that hook of games and activity and realize that it could be like our mantra is play, live, lead with purpose. Um, so Anne also had experiences in high school that shaped her. Our careers kind of had a parallel theme, but in different settings, she was working in school systems and I was working not directly in a school, but as a support person through the YMCA. So I had after school programs that we were doing after school and within schools and we found each other. Uh, during our years. And we got together and realized we had similar hearts and missions and personalities and that we both really, really believed in experiential learning and how important that was to craft a space where people are engaged, they're fully present, they're mindful, they're hands-on. And when you're in that space, be it service learning, experiential learning, or even games and team building, you have a great opportunity for ahas and discovery to take place. That could be they're discovering something about their self, their relationships with other people. Maybe uh, it's learned directly to a content area. Uh, and so we've always believed how you craft the experience matters. And so our mission pretty much is, is how do we teach others to focus on positive youth development through young people and create spaces where they're engaged and they're learning, by the way. 
Oh my gosh, I'm just moved listening to that because first of all, I love games and I love movement. And I know, um, you know, this, everyone's heard about this now, but it's, it's, you know, the talk about how sitting is the next smoking, how we have got to get up, you know, we've got to get up and move and interact. And I'm so excited about that. So you, you look at group games, I can see as a way of bringing people together. What can games sort of accomplish for students and leaders? You know, I think great games is one of the best ways for, for students to develop internally and for groups to develop. So there's a lot that it accomplishes. It, you know, the research shows it relieves stress. It can be used with uh, people in trauma. It eases your anxiety in a group because you're forced to interact in a way that's engaging. So your introverts have a space that lets them pair up with someone else or the extroverts find the introverts and make them feel welcome. So it kind of levels the playing field and games are very invitational. Uh, so they kind of keep the expectations down. Uh, and just, you know, there's so many other benefits. It creates and strengthens friendships. It builds trust. It challenges a group to work together. It can help your group or individuals clarify their values. Um, when you connect games to research, we that's one of our skills of what we do at Right Creations Group is we connect it back to the play with purpose part. So you can build developmental assets, social emotional learning, 21st century skills, because in games, you're practicing skills, you're practicing behaviors, you're questioning things. Uh, games also can help uh, helping your group tap and strengthen brain health. Um, we have a, a set of games out called Brain Boosters, and those are games based on novelty and challenge and music and deep conversations and things like that. And games create those teachable moments. So you have a safe space to talk about things that might be difficult to talk about directly in a world scenario. I call that a third thing. So you have a space to talk about something serious that if you went directly to that conversation might be uncomfortable. So, for example, uh, you mentioned imagination boosters already. One of our boosters in there is a prompt that talks about vampires and werewolves are real. They're your neighbors. So what do you need to know and learn about each other in order to peacefully coexist? It's much better to have that kind of conversation in a playful way, in a games way. They're like, oh, yeah, well, I don't want the vampires to bite me and I don't want the werewolves to do this and to talk about the peaceful rules. And then you connect it back to real world. What an interesting perspective about the value of games. Mm -hmm. And some of those are things I've never really considered. And could you give us maybe some specific examples of like a great game that might energize a staff or our students? Oh, sure. Um, one of my favorites is actually from the Brain Boosters for Groups in a Jar that Susan mentioned. It's a music challenge, and we challenge a couple people to come up front and think of a simple song that everyone in the group knows, but instead of singing it to the group, just a phrase to the group that they could guess, uh, the audience could guess what they're singing, we have them either bark or meow. So you might do twinkle, twinkle, little star, but instead of singing, you're meow, 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 meow. And it I just, love that. Rough, 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 rough. Exactly. But they can sing popular songs or nursery songs. It makes everyone laugh. It puts everyone at ease. Your introverts, we let them pair with a partner to do it. Adults and young people just laugh hysterically. We play another one called Lucky Numbers. This is from our great group games for kids. We pair everyone in a partner. So let's say Susan and Susie, you would be partners. Each of you would think of a number between one and nine. 
And then I would have you do a series of things with your two numbers. The first time I would say, okay, who has a larger number? Let's say, Susie, you're two and Susan, you're three. Well, Susan has a larger number of three. So each of you would share three facts about yourself. And after I give you a minute to share those three facts about yourselves, then I would say, add your numbers together. And two plus three makes five. So the two of you would do five do-si-dos with each other, where you put your arms across your chest and you go back to back as if you were in a country western dance. And then I would say, okay, the smaller number, in your case, it's two. You guys need to find two things that you have in common. So thinking beyond you're in the same classroom or you're in the same city, what are two things that you have in common? And the last category would be you decide the order. So would you be 23 or 32? Then you two would go back to back. You'd stand back to back. You would link your elbows together just gently, and you would bounce in place that many times. So 23 or 32 times bouncing in place. Uh, it also makes people laugh. So it's just a funny way to get people breaking down into small groups, starting to break down the awkwardness between people and help them laugh together. Susan, will you tell Rolling Off the Tongue? Oh, so Rolling Off the Tongue is from the book that we just put out in the fall, Great Group Games Dice Edition. And it's all games using dice. And it's a really simple, you roll the dice and you add 10 to that number to get your time. So if you roll a two and you add 10, you have 12 seconds. You roll again for the number of challengers. So if you roll a three, there's three challengers. They all go out of the room. The audience decides something that they're going to talk about. They want the people to talk about for 20 seconds. And the volunteers are have to be articulate, animated, and engaging. So when I did this recently, they wanted them to talk about their favorite pet. So each person came in and talked about their favorite pet. And then the group decided which one was most articulate, animated, engaging. So you're working on, you know, communication skills, relationship skills, and challenge. Okay, I love those. And I'm, I'm listening to both of the, uh, to these games. And I was thinking about when you were both talking, you know, when, when, uh, we go back for, for pre-planning in the fall. I mean, it's, and you have a lot of new teachers coming in. It's always uncomfortable when you're a new teacher. You don't know anyone. It seems like these might be good for that too, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I would, I would like that. I would love to come in and have that. I'm, I'm just thinking about students and teachers in that. And I do a lot of professional development. These just sound like so much fun. And I, could you tell us a little bit more? Cause I saw this on Amazon that this is coming when I was doing a little bit of research and you have something called you, you mentioned a little bit imagination boosters in a jar. What is that going to be like? Or is that like? So that is actually coming out later this month, I believe. I'm keeping fingers crossed that we get our copies next week because I'm very excited about this. And they're just prompts of self-discovery. So you can use them as writing prompts for, or for creative discussion. Some are a little more activity-based, but it's really geared towards stoking the imagination and kids learning about themselves and others, what's in their gut. So what's their spark of passion and interest? So as a, a facilitator of the game, in my group, I'm going to be looking for how do people respond when I say you can go back in history and change a moment? What moment would you change and why? Or you get to be the architect of a new building. What's, does it do the design? What's the building going to be used for, et cetera, et cetera. Or you're, you're on a chef's cook show and the, the winner gets to open up a new restaurant. So what's your theme and what are your top five menu items? So when you ask these different questions that are about all sorts of topics, you're going to see where your students are lighting up. 
and what careers maybe could be of interest to them or potential for exploration. So I'm really excited about that. And it's coming out with from Free Spirit. Uh, and I think it's $9.99 and there are 101 prompts. Wow. So let's do the math on that per prompt. I love that. <laughs> I'm going to have to grab that. <laughs> okay. So I want to talk a little bit. I'm going to segue a little bit because you guys do. I looked at a list of your workshops and things you do. And so many, so many of these are just, I would love to go to and some of your retreats. So one thing I was looking at is um, something that you facilitate are, are sort of called climate retreats for back, lack of a better phrase there. Uh, what is it about climate that you try to get at? What are some changes? What are some some techniques you use to try to nurture climate in a building? Mm, great question. So we like to pull together groups of young people and groups of faculty together in the same room to help know one another, respect one another, to trust one another. So we're teaching them how to work together and set norms together for what do they want their school climate or their youth group climate to look like. Um, what does it look like now? What do they want it to be like? What are some things we can do to make our climate start to change? So we're really teaching them about service learning just through the umbrella of creating a different school climate, creating the kind of climate that we want to live in every day because we spend so much time there. That's the Caring School Climate Retreat is that we're not just pulling together the student council leaders and the basketball captains, but we're pulling together different kind of pulse leaders in the school. So they're not always uh, the young people that are recognized as positive leaders. Some of them are recognized honestly as negative leaders, but they're leaders nonetheless. So we want to pull them together in one place and start to work on building those bonds and helping them learn how to use their power in good ways. Does that make sense? Yeah, I'm excited about that work because I know, um, you know, when I was working on my last book, one of the things that employers, this just struck me over and over. Employers are looking today for very different things. And one of the things, of course, problem solving communication, but the other one is a strong leaders and being able mm-hmm. to work in a group and being able to navigate conflicts in a group and be, and, and becoming really a great leader. So that's so exciting to me that all students are getting an opportunity to be a leader. I want to talk a little bit more about the service learning aspect because this is pretty new to me. I, I, and by the way, guys, um, uh, Ann and Susan have very graciously posted a whole ebook on service learning, which I've read. I, I did not know much about this. So uh, I would like for you to address that a little bit. What exactly is service learning and how is that different than this getting kids to volunteer or something like that? What, tell us a little bit about that. So what I love about service learning is it takes volunteering to the next step and it's a deeper learning experience. So Anne and I, there's, there's official definitions for it, but Anne and I just simply say it's a 50 50 split. It's a 50% emphasis on serving and making a difference and a 50% emphasis on what you're learning through the process about yourself, about the community, about the people or the area where you're working, about if you, what you did will actually have an impact and go deeper or does it just show other things that need to be dealt with so you can go the rabbit trail trying to get to root causes and make a real difference. So uh, service learning has an emphasis, a big emphasis on youth voice and planning. They're involved in every step of the way. It looks at trying to get to root causes of issues. It's very intentional about including reflection and questions are key uh, questions are key all throughout the process because you don't want to reinforce negative preconceived ideas or if they are there, you need to tackle it. So you want to know what young people are thinking before they do service and know what they're thinking after the service. And if you are really good at this, you can even ask questions during. 
So, Anne, I noticed that when I was going through your literature that you and Susan put together on service learning that there are different types. It's, you know, because it's not all planting trees or different kinds of things. And and, and Susan mentioned that the, the students are driving a lot. This sounds a little like project-based learning a little bit. Could you elaborate a little bit on the types of service learning and what that might look like in a building? I, I will say that service learning can definitely be project-based learning. It's not always, but it's definitely a type of project-based learning and that you're asking students questions and you are they're driving the process to help create projects that create community or cultural change. I, I love that. I'm a big fan of project-based learning. But yes, there are three major types of service learning. The first is direct, direct service learning. So that's the hands-on service where you can see what's happening. You can touch it. You're right in the thick of things. This, for example, would be serving food at a homeless mission or helping with a kid's carnival for autism education. So it's something that you can touch and see. This is your planting trees. You're painting over graffiti. The second type is indirect service. This is behind the scenes work. So instead of serving food directly at that homeless mission, you might be preparing food bags that you can send home with kids um, who are experiencing food insecurity. Or you might be sewing sleeping bags to give to people at a homeless mission. Or maybe you're planning activities for that autism awareness carnival, but you're not actually leading it. You're not doing it. You're not touching it. The third type is advocacy. So these are the youth marches that we've seen to address different social issues. These are uh, writing Amnesty International letters to try to get um, people freed overseas. These are joining political committees to talk about changing legislation around homelessness or creating legislation that helps create jobs. So direct, indirect and advocacy are the three different types. Well, that's really interesting. And the uh, Susan, if you'll share a little bit, maybe an experience that you guys have had uh, from service learning from your work, and maybe the, the the steps in getting going. If a school wanted to, to to take on a service learning project, how would they even get started on this? Well, there are a lot of good resources for getting service learning started. Uh, like here in Tennessee, where we are, we actually have uh, you know a. a, a a Tennessee State Department for service learning and volunteerism. Anne and I are trainers in service learning, you know, so that's one way they could get started. They could have us come in and do training. They could download our book, Seasons of Service, that's on the MyEd Expert. So getting educated is basically what I'm trying to say. And that can be through training, uh, following a curriculum. We have a Kindle version of Ready to Go Service Projects, which is also out there. Um, but if you're getting into the after you understand what service learning is, which I think is very important, there are it follows a set pattern. They're very deliberate steps, investigation, planning or preparation, action, reflection. We still do celebration. Some states do not demonstration and evaluation. So for us, we kept the C in there because not only do you still should you celebrate all the way through, but it makes it a nice I parked acronym. Uh, and, and there's learning that goes on and there's student voice that goes on and they should be involved in, in, in all of the steps along the way. So I have been doing service learning since the nineties. And so has, I think it's nineties for Anne, maybe earlier. Yes. <laughs> and so there are a couple things that come to mind for me. Uh, one, when I was doing environmental service learning and when I was doing teen leader, a teen leadership council, I had a group and we were going to go feed the homeless one day and I we did the pre-reflection because I mentioned it's really important to know what they're thinking. So we said, we're going to go feed the homeless. What are we going to do? 
And, and this was sort of getting them used to service learning steps. We were baby stepping them into things. So we weren't doing the full experience. We were doing a few community service projects and adding in the element of reflection to get them used to the process and then moving them more into service learning, if that makes sense. So we were doing pre-reflection and we had a young lady who uh, came from a very comfortable background along with some other uh, it was actually a very varied group from all walks of life. And so we said, what are you thinking about? What do you think it's going to be like? And they said, well, we think they're going to be drunk. They're going to be smelly. Uh, some of them are going to be disturbed. And so they had a lot of negative ideas of what the homeless was going to be like. So my one young lady who came from a comfortable background was passing out hamburgers because I think we picked up hamburgers from McDonald's. And she said in the post-reflection when we were done, she said she, there was a moment where she looked in the bag and she realized she had one hamburger left to distribute. And she looked all around and she didn't see any of her friends. She saw that she was surrounded by the homeless and she had a moment of anxiety. What's going to happen? She was afraid they were going to mob her for the, the hamburger. She just didn't know. She just felt fear. But she said she pulled it out and went, well, this is the last hamburger and immediately, the people were responding, hey, Joe, you got one. Jeannie, did you get something to eat? And they're checking on people, and they said, who's not here? And so they pulled one aside, a preconceived idea, and I was totally wrong. And so I just, that memory in that moment for me was very powerful of why we should do uh, reflection. Wow, isn't that something? And I, it sounds like throughout on the service learning, what an opportunity to nurture leadership mm-hmm. in kids. Have, have you seen that in your work where students really develop these skills? Oh, absolutely. Go ahead, Ann. I was just going to say I see it all the way through the process. I see it when they're investigating what they might do. I see it when they are communicating with one another and learning that, as you said earlier, essential of team communication We're challenging young people to learn to think, to analyze, to make decisions, to lead committees, just to learn to be responsible and follow through with what they promise. Um, We make them. We don't always make them. We challenge them to call the agencies that they want to volunteer with. So they're the ones making the phone calls. And I see young people growing in leadership all the time from service learning. What were you going to say, Susan? I was going to say, I, was, I just wanted to add one story. We're, we're working on a current project called Working Together, Stories to Inspire Change Agents, which I'm gathering stories of from youth and adults who have been changed, impacted by a service experience, or they want to talk about the difference they made. And so recently, a 4-H'er turned in a story, and I was just so impressed with this young lady because she said her project, she really wanted to cure Alzheimer's. And she said people were kind of scratching their heads when they looked at her when she was describing her idea. But by the time she got through explaining the facts and things that she thought could be done, they said, go for it. And so as an individual, she set this whole project of what she wanted to do. And her project is very simple, but very meaningful. She created what you might call a play mat that could sit in the lap of a patient And its function, it's got little stations on the mat to help create uh, increased cognitive function. So there's some rope that they can practice braiding and tying shoelaces or what have you. There's a key ring with memory cards, little symbols just to do memory recall. And there was a place for letters or that you could even put photos to try and remember your family and who's important in your life. 
And so I was just really impressed at her heart and how at first the idea was met with a little bit of skepticism, but I think she won an award for her uh, for her work. And so she's one of the stories we're going to be highlighting in our upcoming project. And that's amazing. And I'm just so moved by the work you're doing. Um, before I forget, tell everybody how they can reach you. So if they have a story they want to share or something like that, how would you like people to find you? Oh, I would love that um, because this is just a pet project for this year. want to put some good news stories out there and share how we are making a difference in the world as youth and adults and the power of small actions are just as powerful as big actions. Mm-hmm. So they can email me at Susan at rightcreationsgroup.com. And I uh, write is write like you're writing. Uh, and I can send them the submission guidelines. And of course, there's a permission form to sign to do photos and all of that stuff. But I would I would welcome and extend that invitation to people to respond. And guys, if you're driving, you didn't get that um, at the po- on the podcast notes. We'll put how to contact Ann and Susan. You can always go to Myad Expert. They have their bios there. They have links there. So we will we will connect everyone together. So, um, but it is right w r i t e creationsgroup.com. I want to touch on one thing that's a little bit of a stretch from where we've been, but I was just really curious when I saw in some of your work that you do a session or, or some conversations on the advisory time in buildings. I just wanted to get your take on that. What, what kind of work is that or what conversations are going on with that? So the conversations we're having there is how advisory time is very different than classroom time. Mm-hmm. So it's less uh, structured as far as you have to teach this, so you have to teach that. It's adult with youth in the conversations and in the activities and games. So we're doing this together and it's our time around being a human being and what we can learn from life. So I did a training about a month ago with an real and being transparent and saying, I don't have all the answers and dealing with the stuff that comes up in school outside of homework. Uh, so how can we get along? How do we get across cultural divides or whatever other divides might be separating folks um, working with the advisors in this particular case, uh, not being afraid of asking questions and answering questions that might be tougher life questions that you really wish they'd ask mom and dad, but they came to you instead. Uh, and remembering that it's about that young person. That's one of the keys we always try to get across. It's about them. So don't get in the way of their learning with your stuff from the past. And so advisory time is, a, is really a time that could be fun and engaging and interactive and still create those teachable moments like we've talked about, but about life, not necessarily about academia. And so giving that spa- creating that space for youth to have voice. Anything else, Anne, that you can think of? No, I like what you said. We like it. Well, um, we love that. Um, well, guys, I mean, the t- I've learned so much from you and the time has just flown. So what I'm going to do is list a couple of things that I have as my key takeaways. And there are several. And then if you wouldn't mind adding one or or clarifying or whatever you'd like to do, one of the things, well, I'm a game lover, so I'm already on board with games. But I love some of these games you're talking about. And I'm going to do some more work on checking into that for faculty. And something I'd never thought about was using games to sort of broach topics that might be awkward in a way if we didn't use a game. I never thought about that, how that can maybe bring barriers down. So I'm really Mm -hmm. loving all of that. The other one is, I honestly did not know much about service learning. So I've learned so much from you. And I've also read your ebook that you have on our site about service learning. So I think that's just so valuable for students. 
And just over and all, I'm, I feel inspired by the two of you in terms of what we can be. You know, the possibilities of our schools, the talents our children have. I, I'm so inspired by the work you're doing with students who are not maybe the most positive leaders right now, but seeing the potential in those kids that they can really do great things in life too. And I'm, I'm so appreciative of all the work that you're doing. So could you add a couple for those and then we'll move on from there? I think uh, you nailed our whole mm-hmm. philosophy behind our work besides our mantra is focusing, uh, looking and seeing young people as at promise instead of at risk. And so calling that forth and looking at it And so making the experience engaging and interactive is going to do half the work for you. Uh, So that would be one of the things I want people to remember. And I neglected to say earlier, we are on social media of Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and all of that. And we also look for people who want to test some of our activities. So I'm working on the next uh, Reflection Activities book. So if people are interested in testing things, that's something uh, I'd like to hear from folks as well. All right, guys. So we will, again, we'll put those links on the notes. So when you're, when you're listening to the podcast, the very same place that you click for the podcast, we'll have some information there about Ann and Susan. So if you want to track them down and participate, because what wonderful work is this? Yeah. I mean, this is just so incredibly valuable. I do not, ne- I never want to end a podcast without this. Thanking every, every single educator out there. You are the ones opening doors for your kids every day creating possibilities in your classrooms and your buildings every single day. I hope you join us next week to listen in uh, conversations with other great educational thought leaders like Susan and Ann. Thank you, ladies, so much for joining me. Thank you. Oh, thank you, Susie. It was a blast. We are so glad you joined us on this episode of My Ed Expert. For more resources on the ever-evolving realm of education, head on over to myedexpert.com and get inspired by all of our authors' work through downloads, strategies, and best practices. While you're there, hop on to get updates right to your inbox because you don't want to miss a thing right here on My Ed Expert.